Last weekend, I went on a walk with my partner at the Arboretum. There's this little makeshift stream and all the trees along the stream had their roots in the stream. It just makes me think of how that happened and how long it would have taken for the roots to reach there and how that tree had to survive before it reached the stream. This helps me think about how when we feel limitation, this is when we figure out how infinite our possibilities for us to grow out, around, through, to reach abundance. Chrislene Dejean, or Dejean, depending on who you're asking. Now, if you're probably, which you are because you're smart, like Imani, haven't we heard that before? Yes, you did. You heard it back in Gemini season <laughs> when we used creating more possibilities from Emergent Strategy as our... Um, emergent strategy element that we would use to uh, talk about this season. And we're bringing it back for another Mercury-ruled season, which is Gemini season. I want to read something else. Um, The multiverse or meta-universe is the hypothetical set of finite and infinite possible universes, including the universe in which we live. Together, these universes comprise everything that exists, the entirety of space, time, matter, energy, and the physical laws and constants that describe them. These various universes within the multiverse are called parallel universes, other universes, or alternate universes. And also want to read from one of the um one of the what's it called um emergent strategy elements that I'm not too familiar with is intentional adaptation which is, of course, how we change. And I think that also is so much a part of Virgo season. Yes, we're talking about Virgo season. Adaptation, a change in a plant or animal that makes it better able to live in a particular place or situation. The process of changing to fit some purpose or situation, the process of adapting, the thing that you plan to do or achieve, an aim or purpose. Um, which of these do I want to read? Humankind is still evolving in a process which will never end. This evolution moves on changing principles, which are known only to eternity. How can corrupt reasoning play with such an essence? Frank Herbert, um, Dune, which is a sci-fi book. Intentional adaptation is the heart of emergent strategy. How we live and grow and stay purposeful in the face of constant change actually does determine both the quality of our lives and the impact that we can have when we move into action together. Many of us respond to change with fear or see it as a crisis, 
Some of us anticipate change with the with an almost titillating sense of stress. We spend precious time thinking about what has changed that we didn't choose or can't control and or thinking ahead to future stress. Often this is because we aren't clear or committed about our dream destination. So instead of moving towards anything in particular, we are in nonstop reaction. A first question to ask ourselves is how do we practice increasing our ease with what is? Change happens. Change is definitely going to happen. No matter what we plan or expect or hope for or set in place, we will adapt to that change or we will become irrelevant. (sighs) Although it's not, labeled explicitly as one of those seasons that's like deeply emotional to me Virgo season is deeply emotional um and my phone is ringing so I'm gonna take a pause and then I'm gonna finish my thought sorry my mom butt dialed me um and like it's it's so well I am a Virgo moon so like just the whole month I'm just like ping 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 just all of the things, experiencing, feeling, all of the things. But this is the part of care, right? We had that conversation about care. For those who weren't able to participate in that conversation about care, because you don't subscribe to my email list, the link to that article is in the description box. Um, If you can't access the description box from the platform that you're on, I just thought of this, it's available for sure um, on uh, Apple Podcasts. But if you go to anchor.fm slash youwomanyou, you will be able to access it in the links that are subsequently um, available there if you're not using a platform that's Apple Podcasts. Um, and if there are any other kind of like accessibility things that you all think I'm not seeing or aren't there, just message me and let me know because that's how we learn. That's how we grow, right? Um, And that's how more people can have access to the things that I'm talking about. There is, of course, when we think about Virgo and we think about like kind of like the go-to way that people um, talk about... um, Mm, uh, sorry, th- lots of information is coming to me as I'm trying to do this. When we think about the Virgo um, archetype is we think about perfectionism. Um, and I would like to kind of start by saying that perfectionism is, is a fucking myth and that it's a fucking lie. Um, and ingrain that into your mind in, in whatever way that you need to, to be able to set yourself free from it um, when in relationship with other people but also in whatever way that you are affecting change outside of you. So we stay attached to perfection. It's going to be very difficult and unfun for us to get to wherever it is that we're going to, right? So perfectionism, of course, is a part of white supremacy culture. And I, and I do want to talk about that and the the remedies that are there, especially when we're talking about um creating more possibilities, um, and intentional adaptation, right? 
one of the things that I love, so that last month, I think that was last month, was the, yeah, at the end of July was the Allied Media Conference. And the opening plenary was from the How to Survive the End of the World podcast. And they had Channing Nicholas um, and Channing Nicholas and Adrienne Marie Brown and her sister Autumn Brown had this really neat and fantastic conversation about astrology um, as uh, this uh, queer technology um, that is used in our fight for liberation is, is how they um, named it. And I'll put that again, that will be in the description box for you to listen to that since that is an episode of how to survive the end of the world podcast. And I love that Adrian, who's a Virgo herself, was talking about, um, what's it called? Mutable signs as like them being in this awareness of like the inevitability of change, right? We think about when we experience mutable seasons, it's always right after a fixed season. So right after we have this moment of like stability and this opportunity to be deeply ingrained into a particular stabilizing pattern of something, we're taken into this space where we're like, yo, okay, this is not forever. Things have to change, right? And so we're at a point where we're in between the summer and we're moving into the fall, right? Um, and so what is Virgo season? Virgo season is the harvest. And I promise this will all tie together, right? Virgo season is the harvest. Um, when we are harvesting, it is preparation um, of the things that we need, physically need to survive. It is the moment in which we're able to um, calculate and see it's it's very seven of pentacles for those who my tarot people out there you know it's being able to assess this is what we have this is what we've brought in this is what we'll be able to ration and have for the winter right which is what ultimately comes after the fall and of course the harvest is the point in which we are preparing for things beginning to die right which is what fall is and winter being that process and experience of death in the natural world where there is no thingness and we will move to a space of birth and coming into life in the spring right so we're getting we're getting we're coming into fall we're caught coming into everything's gonna fucking die season right and so when we think about that kind of uh that pressure that exists in being the season in which us being able to make it through scarcity, right? Which is, you know, in a sense, we think about there being death in the physical world um, or particularly in nature. There, the trees are barren. There is nothing. There's nothing to, uh, there's nothing there. kind of going down that rabbit hole forever, right? And so the pressure of we need to have this for our people to to be able to survive and make it through this experience of everything dying. This is what we have, right? Knowing that. And what is it that we can can do in in balancing that? Virgo is so much about ritual and routine and the nuance um, of life 
that allows us to continue to exist, right? When we think about, you know, if we're looking at all of the earth signs, right? So Taurus is security and stability. It's it's the home, right? It's the, uh, it's knowing that you need to eat. It's being able to eat, right? When we think about Capricorn, it's the structure, it's the boundaries, it's the systems that allow you to have yours for there to be a system in place in which we can determine this belongs to this person or this person has authority over this, authority is had over that. These are the structures and things that govern the way that we exist and we live. All of the things that are in between, right? All of the processes that are in between that allow that structure to say, hey, these are the rules. And for you to have your home and for you to, you know, whatever it is, that's Virgo, right? All of that other additional shit that we don't really necessarily think about or necessarily have a connection or a relationship to because of the way that our world exists, right? It's all of those smaller systems. You think about the food system, my dad talks about this all the fucking time. He's like, you got to think about what he's a Taurus, what it takes to, with a Capricorn. <laughs> you have to think about what it takes for that thing of milk <laughs> to get to the grocery store. Somebody has to own the cow. Somebody has to milk the cow. Somebody has to package all the freaking milk. Somebody has to drive that milk to the grocery store. They have to have the refrigeration system in the grocery store to be able to sustain that milk for when you walk in the store and you need to buy that milk, right? And then the milk has to last when it gets home. It's having that fine-tuned awareness that it's not just the thing, it's all of the things that allow that thing to exist and survive, right? So for the harvest and in preparation of the harvest, there's a certain amount of money that we have to have. I don't know why that was the first thing I said. Money, water, whatever it may, you know, a certain amount of resources, time, energy, analysis that goes into that thing existing. Which is why Virgos are amazing multitaskers because they understand the work, what doing the work is and what that entails. And they can get in there and say, yes, what you're saying is important, but this other part of that is why this thing is able to exist, right? It's very interesting having an Aries sun that does not pay attention to nuance at all and a Virgo moon that's like, absolutely not. Slow down. We, we need to figure this out. <laughs> anyway. But going back to perfectionism and what that means with, within our culture and the way that we're taught, um, there are so many stories that white supremacy tells us about perfectionism and nuances and systems and ways of, again, ensuring that you have the house, but also ensuring that that structure is kind of putting in place. These are the rules that govern the way that you have that sense of stability that you have, right? It's all the things in the middle. So to kind of delve into it, for those who aren't familiar with the characteristics of white supremacy, which is from um, Dismantling Racism, a workbook for social change groups by Kenneth Jones and Tema Okun. Um, I will put this in the description box. Perfectionism. 
Little appreciation expressed among people for the work that others are doing. Appreciation that is expressed usually directed to those who get the most, most of the credit anyway. More common is to point out either how the person or work is inadequate, or even more uncommon, to talk to others about the inadequacies of a person or their work without ever talking to them directly. Mistakes are seen as personal, i.e. they reflect badly on the person making them as opposed to being seen for what they are, mistakes. Making a mistake is confused with being a mistake, doing wrong with being wrong. Little time, energy, or money put into reflection or identifying lessons learned that can improve practice. In other words, little or no learning from mistakes. Tendency to identify what is wrong. Little ability to identify, name, and appreciate what is right. Right. So these are the ways that perfectionism manifests um, through white supremacy culture in the most general sense. But in the way that we can kind of talk to them in a way, our relationship with this ultimately this Virgo archetype um, also shows up in a number of ways based on the various identities that we hold. Right. The idea of being twice as good. Right. I'm pretty sure all my black listeners have heard this before where it's like we have to be twice as good to get what it is that they have. Right. Um, Or the model minority. Um, The idea of for women of being a virgin whore. Right. Um, The (laughs) existence of queer um, or uh, and um, disabled folks. Uh, and, you know, people who are sick, um, or people, um, trying to think of as many identities as I can, um, you know, these are identities that are not within the context of the society that we have that are supposed to exist, right? So you, your perfection is you not existing, right? Um, in model minority, you are able to meet this standards of ways of assimilation or you don't belong here, right? So, and, and, and the respectability politics, right? That ultimately governs all of those things and governs all of those intersections. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, going back to the idea of a harvest, and we think about harvesting something, it is life or death, right? Having enough food is a matter of life or death. Bringing in or having the systems and structures um, in between and in place to allow that people can continue to exist and survive is life or death. So many of the reasons why these strategies that have been used to survive this world as a black person, as a queer person, as a disabled person, um, as a woman, as a femme, why those things exist, right, is because these identities have been life or death. So there is no room for error. Someone can't see you out with your partner. You cannot make any mistakes at work, but you also cannot be better than your boss, right? You are not allowed to be unladylike. You are not allowed to speak above men, right? They're all of these things that have these extreme and dire consequences for our existence put us in this space of perfectionism. But when we play these games, right, 
especially given the fact that we're in 2020, right? While we are, you know, realistically still living um, in a space in which there is state-sanctioned violence, right, where that is being um, carried out by individuals and peoples that are not explicitly related to the state as well as the state itself. But we can say that the the stakes for most identities are very different um, than, let's say, 1960, right? That is a truth. So that being said, being able to see for ourselves where we still operating within these performances of perfectionism to survive when we're in a space in which we need to embrace the rituals of life that will allow us to move toward this life that we're building and creating for ourselves, right? So it's having to kind of realize for ourselves that we are people, not machines. So when we're working on unlearning and dismantling these systems from within ourselves, are we able to give ourselves the space to make mistakes? to know that we aren't always gonna get it right, to know that there is room to operate outside of the ways that we originally self-policed ourselves to exist within these worlds. What does that look like and what does that feel like? So when we had the South Node in, in Capricorn, it was about letting go of the ways that capitalism, white supremacy, um, patriarchy, heteronormativity define success and these markers of success um, and winning or, or getting it or making it within these systems and embracing North Node and Cancer, a more care-based, uh, holistic, um, nurturance-based model of ways that we embrace and, and share um, I, and conceptualize what success can mean for us individually and collectively. So now that we have moved right out of that energy and we're now in North Node and Gemini, South Node and Sagittarius, it is a practice of, of our learnings, right? And so this is a really great season for us again to, to start to abandon um, these, again, ideas of perfectionism. I think one of the things that has really kind of came to my mind as I've been like gathering my notes um, for this episode, before I start talking about specific astrology for the season, um, is, is that of the Christ archetype, right? And Christ consciousness, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast before back when it was still at Imani Talks Astrology. We haven't talked about it in a long time, so we're going to talk about it right now. So, of course, in this Virgo, you know, each sign comes within a polarity, right? So within this Virgo-Pisces axis, on the end of Virgo, we can see this, um, the emergent strategy element of creating more possibilities. And on the other end, we can see the... Uh, Pisces archetype and of course Pisces is the fish and of course some in symbology Christ's relationship with 
the archetype of the fish. And of course, the relationship that I have seen for myself as an astrologer of the Piscean archetype with unconditional love and Christ consciousness, right? And so we, in the Piscean end of that spectrum, right? When we're looking at one particular energy, what we need to evolve um, a particular energy is lots of times looking at the opposite side and seeing how we can integrate, right? So this full moon is going to be really fun. It's going to be all about this. So how are we, and so I've associated Pisces with nonlinear iterative, right? So when we think about our processes of learning, our process of loving, our process of um, extending compassion and learning about compassion for ourselves, that process is not, and even our creative processes are not linear, right? So whereas Virgo can has a tendency to be very kind of rational, linear kind of thinking, we have this other end in which it says, hey, if we open up you know, in a sense, like if we embrace creating more possibilities, we also can open up an opportunity for there to be a non-linear way for us to arrive at answers um, and ways of changing and evolving that will allow us to create that possibility of survival outside of these current modes in which we feel the need to perform, to exist and thrive within um, our society. And so to kind of go back to the Christ thing, I was thinking so much about the, the, the story of Christ feeding folks with, what was it, like five loaves of bread and like five things of wine. He fed thousands of people, right? And so of course people were like, dude, how are you going to feed all these people when you only have this, right? And lo and behold, he was able to do it, right? And so it's, it's being able to know that, you know, we can look at and say we don't have enough of whatever it is for all of these people. I don't have enough information or knowledge. I don't know, you know, how to be and exist as this particular form of myself. I don't know how to perform this particular function um, to to make my life, to make uh, my being embody this particular facet of you know whatever. I hope that made sense. And, and it is this idea of like, well, that that's fine. Like, and the way that we'll arrive at that isn't necessarily this rational process. (laughs) The way that we arrive um, at being ourselves outside of the ways that we, or even being able to produce what we need to fully thrive and exist within our world isn't necessarily going to come to us like that. I think what people were talking about, especially when these conversations around abolishing the police and defunding the police started to come, you know, lots of people were like, well, what is going to, what's going to be there? What's going to be next? What's going to, you know? Um, and I think, again, the part of, you know, the perfectionism is also, you know, needing to, to have the answer and needing to know. And someone had said, like, we actually don't need to know everything. We actually don't need to know what that next step is. And part of the trick, you know, with white supremacy is that we're told that we have to have the answer to everything and we have to have the rationale and we have to have the particular reasoning for why something should or should not exist. And that's just not true, right? Um, 
And so being able to embrace that, being able to embrace that, like, you know, yes, right now we have five loaves of bread and five things of wine and there are 5,000 people, somehow everyone is going to get fed. Somehow. I don't know how. It, it will take a miracle, right? And I think also, you know, the opposite is true as well, where like that won't happen right now. So like the thing is, of course, with the harvest season is it is a very realistic, critical and discerning look at what we do have and what is and is not possible within this moment, given what we do and do not have, right? But the important thing, again, when we're embracing the nonlinear iterative side of things is we understand that this is a phase, right? We understand that maybe next year we will reap a harvest in which everyone will be able to be fed. We can't do that right now, but that possibility may exist within the future. What is it that we can do now to allow that possibility to exist, right? And so, you know, some of the other words we associate with with Virgo is like judgmental, um, and, and I think when we move from judgment into discernment, it provides us with both a reality check, but also an opportunity to fix and move forward. Right. And so going back to the idea of like the opposite is also true. Like it's important to note, like there are really, there's some real shit that we're dealing with right now. Right. We are living in a time of scarcity of a growing scarcity and growing economic inequality. We are in a place of climate crisis. We are again in a place of where we are existing in and experiencing state sanctioned violence, you know? And so sometimes we do not have enough. We don't have enough energy. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. And all of that is okay. And all of that is valid. So I think also a really big part of the way that we can embrace and learn through Virgo season is normalizing, you know, I don't think it's, we shouldn't be consumed by fear or anxiety, but normalizing the fact that there is because of what we know about the present and the changes that are emerging, not all of those changes are positive, right? And not all of those things are things that we want to embrace and be excited about, um, even if they're happening anyway, regardless of whether we want them to or not, right? And so like, I don't think we've even had a moment where we've collectively been like, yo, it's really crazy that the world, as we know it in terms of the amount of water, food, et cetera, you know, space, air that we have to share among each other is diminishing quickly with all of us on this rock and all of us have to live, right? And, and knowing again that all of us probably will not, right? And, and while that is scary, that is real. And so the Virgo archetype sits within the realization that that is true and that that is possible and that is inevitable. But even if that is the case, what is it that we can do? So I think, you know, we're in a month in which a lot of planets are going direct. 
Um, I'm starting to truly believe that retrogrades are an opportunity for us to time travel. Again, going back to the idea of nonlinear iterative, I truly believe that they are allowing us to move through time, back and forth through time. If that is the case, we have to think about all of this time. I think Jupiter is going direct this month and Saturn is going direct this month. What is it that we are changing in time right now, given what we know about the present, right? And, and where we're moving forward to, what is it that we do? And that has to do with on a very individual level, but also on a collective level as well. So starting to kind of think about that is going to be really important. One of the, <laughs> so yes, let's normalize anxiety and worry because they're real. And until we face them, they're just going to kind of sit in the background of our minds, right? I think, so the remedy um, for, for perfectionism is, is fostering a culture of appreciation, right? And I think also another part of it is realizing or stopping playing these games and even realizing for yourself, like, where am I playing these games of like being twice as good, model minority, blah, 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 whatever it, version or any of those things, right? Where do you find yourself playing in those games and staying in the margins and lines of that particular way um, of existing and continuing to exist within that particular system um, that is ultimately trying to like starve you of your existence and your ability to be um, and to be in, in peace um, and experience love and compassion. Finding a culture of appreciation, how are we able to, you know, love ourselves with all of the identities that we hold, uh, given the fact that they're not identities that we're being told to be proud of, um, that we don't are told in numbers of ways that don't deserve to exist, you know, how do we appreciate ourselves through that? How do we appreciate ourselves when we're learning to be an ally to other people? You know, where is it that we're not trying hard enough um, because of our anxiety or fear of being imperfect? And are we able to turn to ourselves and see that? Um, and, um, and welcome that version of ourselves in um, to give them the compassion that they need to be able to, I don't want to say get it right, but that's what I'll use for now, to get it right <laughs> the next time, right? Or to know that there always is a next time, to know that you are not abandoned in the face of not being perfect. And even in the presence of judgment, um, from others, can you discern um, truth uh, and you know helpful information um, as opposed to information that is meant to minimize you or shrink you um, and push you away um, from your embracing of whatever path it is that you've decided to go down? I'm going to uh, leave this part of um, the episode with a really great quote. Um, it, it is a, a kind of violent and gross one, but it is, it is great. Um, there's more than one way to skin a cat. 
Um, and this is a quote from Siva Smith, who is an American humorist and writer. And unironically, he is also a Virgo, right? So having to kind of remember that even when we're doing and engaging in kind of like this yucky process of like unlearning, <sighs> being perfect for this world when (laughs) us actually showing up as ourselves is the complete opposite of what that perfection that we're seeking is telling us to do. There's a lot of ways to navigate that. And so being able to open up an opportunity to do that and be able to kind of see for yourself, well, what is the harvest that I'm working towards? And in some instances, again, seven of pentacles, the harvest that you're working towards was never the one that you were meant to be growing to begin with. You were never supposed to try to feed people with this, right? You could It could have been what you're supposed to do to feed people with five loaves of bread and five things of wine, but maybe that's not what your job was, right? Like that also is real. That also is possible. And so you weren't supposed to make a miracle out of that, right? Again, when we think about us participating and existing in these systems, like that wasn't something that was ever going to bring the harvest that you truly needed for yourself or for your people or for the space that you're showing up in. So... It's time to reassess, right? Winter is coming. Winter is around the corner. What is it that we need to harvest? Discernment. Okay. I'm going to take a break. Um, And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the things that will be happening leading up to the full moon. Today is the 23rd, um, and so the August 23rd to be exact, um, the moon is currently in Scorpio and is going to remain in Scorpio until the morning of Tuesday the 25th in the wee hours of the morning when it moves into Sagittarius. So in terms of things that are coming up this week, Um, or these next two weeks that are incredibly important. Um, We are facing the last of those Mars, my God, squares to the outer planets um, that are sitting in Capricorn. So annoying. Um, So it's going to be Mars square Saturn um, in particular. And so Mars square Saturn, Um, of course, Mars is slowing down, um, and is, I believe is going to go retrograde at, um, within the 28 to 29 degree range. So we're getting to a place again, when which the planet is completely slowing down to remain retrograde from the month of September to the month of November, um, until it will finally leave the sign in, um, January of next year, right? Um, so we have p- quite a bit of time that we're going to continue to spend with this energy, um, and rightfully so. Um, it is a energy that is really excited about moving forward, moving into the future, 
um, doing some really dope, amazing next level shit, bringing in really dope, amazing ideas, fighting for everyone, fighting against everything. Um, but in order to do so, we will need to be in alignment, um, with what it is that we're doing. So there is a really big, um, uh, with the planet's that are going retrograde within the signs that they're going retrograde in there is this uh universal <laughs> almost like it was orchestrated by someone up in the clouds um way in which the planets are moving this year that are really kind of coaxing us into um making very embodied decisions about the future um, and really knowing what it is that we're signing up for and giving us time to to try it and, and rewrite it every single time to make sure, not every single time, but, but to make sure that we get it right and that we know what we're truly asking for and what we're truly signing up for um, when we say the things that we say and when we do the things that we do, more importantly, since we're talking about Mars. I want to bring up this one piece from the Intentional Adaptation Um uh, 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 chapter of emergent strategy. There is a sticky note. Um, uh, from uh, her from Adrian's facilitation debrief of the Edge Funders Gathering in April of 2016, and it says less on point, more on purpose. When we kind of think about the relationship between the the Aries and the Virgo energy, they are what we call kinkunks each other. And it also is kinkunks to Aquarius as well. And this is really important because I feel like these two signs are really big movers and shakers, of course, in the year 2020, um, when it comes to some of the most major uh, transits that we see astrologers, including myself, extracting from this year in terms of importance, right? Saturn will be going into Aquarius. Saturn has been in Aquarius and has left to go back into Capricorn um, and will re-enter the sign, I believe, sometime in November or um, we'll get when we get there, we'll get there. And then Jupiter will also be moving into um, Aquarius as well. So these two planet or these two or these three signs. So while Aries and Aquarius form what we call a sextile together. So they have an opportunity to work in tandem with one another because they are a part of the same polarity, right? They're both what we call it. It's associated with um, masculine signs because they're in earth, not earth. Oh my God. Because they're in uh, air and fire. Right. And we have uh, Virgo, um, neither in earth, um, neither in air or fire, also not fixed or cardinal. Right. It is mutable earth. And so it has nothing in common with those other two signs. And so it, it's very difficult for that energy to be integrated. So going back to what I was saying about like, we're not robots, right? When it comes to being in service of the future, Aquarius, we aren't always going to get it right. But also there is this importance of, you know, movement and moving forward, but in what direction, right? In a sense, 
Virgo kind of stops Aries, um, not consciously, but in terms of the way that the energy um, is in relation to each other within a chart. And it's kind of like, okay, like um, there actually is a lot more nuance and there are a lot more things that we need to pay attention to. Um, to be able to get to wherever it is that you're saying that you're going, especially if we want to have the longevity to get there. So again, less on point, more on purpose, right? So being uh, particular, being discerning about the action that we're taking. And so again, being that Mars, which is at home in Aries, is going to be slowed down for most of the year. It has an opportunity to realize and see where it has not been discerning. So this Mars square Saturn energy is going to be, well, it's difficult um, for the fact that it shows where we're breaking through or moving through crushing, destroying (laughs) boundaries, right? In the best way and in the worst way. It's showing us where we're like, yo, I refuse to give authority to that thing to that person, to this structure within my life, or also being able to see the opposite of where we do give authority, right? If we're saying no to our no's are a doorway to our yeses, right? And so this is, and so when we kind of move in the space of yes, 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 which Mars and Aries can kind of do as we're kind of consuming so much energy and so much, you know, because we're so excited about whatever direction it is that we're moving into, or we're so angry that we're moving into a particular direction. We're not giving ourselves the time and the space to say no. And so that leads us to a space in which we can break a lot of our own rules and maybe even cross our own boundaries or even the boundaries of other people because we've said too many yeses, right? And so being able to kind of go back to and slow down and kind of see like, okay, this is what's important of what I'm working through and doing. This part is not, right? And we may experience that right now as like a tension and compete compete in terms of competing of like what structurally exists versus what we're trying to do, right? So in the sense of like maybe we're being asked to take on a particular project at work and we want to go, 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 go. But we also don't necessarily realize like, oh, like this takes up this amount of energy and time, right? Saturn is about time. It's about limitations, not just limitations that um, someone has placed in front of us, but also limitations that are just real, right? Think about the example of, I, I'd misquoted, it was fish and bread with Christ was feeding people, right? Where it's like, I actually only have five loaves of bread and I only have five fish, right? This is connecting to what we were saying earlier, where it's like, there literally is not enough resources at this time to execute this thing, even though it feels really exciting and it feels like a direction that you're wanting to kind of go into. If it's not, if there isn't enough, there isn't enough. And that is just what it is. And so like, are you able to, and are you willing to accept that as a reality and, and slow down and stop, right? It's the, Mars, Saturn is like the, or all of these squares of Mars to all these freaking Capricorn planets is this, don't tell me what to do kind of energy or this anger and this frustration that we have with the systems and structures and the choices that we have to make, right? But ultimately we still have to make a choice. 
So again, going back to like, what are your, your boundaries? Um, what is the, what are your yeses and your nos? Being able to see that your nos are a gateway to what your yeses are. Um, and sometimes, and I think it's, it's easier to move from that space of no than moving backwards from yes. Right. And so being willing to kind of try that and test that. And so it adds a bit of frustration and anger to the way that we're trying to work through this this process and navigate, again, whatever structures or things that we're dealing with within our lives. And I think one of the other things that I want to put in perspective when we're talking about astrology and when we're talking about how this energy is being used, not just by people who are trying to use it in an embodied way, but people who are also unconsciously utilizing this energy that can be really dangerous, right? When we think about a planet in relation to anger and limitations and what people will say or do um, to other people because they feel limited, um, because they refuse to give authority um, or see someone else's authority or give up a sense of authority or entitlement that they may have. So what I'll say to that, I definitely want to encourage you all um, if you are out protesting or doing some sort of direct action work, please be careful. Please look after your friends. Have some sort of system in place, which I can imagine y'all already do, to make sure that people feel safe. And if you're in spaces in which you have to challenge people to be accountable, find your network, find your people um, in your spaces that will allow that to be possible. Moving into Tuesday, um, we, on the 25th, we are going to have the second quarter moon, um, in the sign of Jupiter. And so the great thing about, um, the quarter phase of the moon cycle, excuse me, whether it be first or second, you know, is it's about, uh, what's our keyword? It's about action. It's about action. So I think one thing that's really great for this week is that it's an amazing week of holding people accountable and being able to see of whether they will receive that call in um, for accountability or if it's time to kind of separate and leave that behind. The first quarter moon, according to um, Joanne Wickenberg and Virginia Meyer in The Spiral of Life, is changes being made in the environment in order to break out of past conditioning, tearing down old structures and moving out to build new ones. So the thing about the Virgo energy is that it is very like, this is the work and this is what we have to do. And that Sagittarius sun is gonna add perspective and say, hey, these are some other things that are also possible. While work and working hard is important, there, when it comes to other things that are possible um, within this particular area, again, going back to what the harvest, right? And we have this much, we don't have this much. It's, it's the process then of finding and searching um, for those new ideas and new thought processes that will allow that harvest to us to optimize that harvest right so it's it's being able to discern and say okay like we don't have enough but it's not that that's an end point right it's being able to say okay cool we don't have enough 
But what's next? What else is out there? What other things do we know? Um, what other people do we have access to? What other places can we go for information? What is a sense of inspiration or optimism that we need to help re-enliven our opportunity to embrace um, to discern what it is that we truly need um, in this moment, right? And so it is a matter of kind of being able to like get out of our own way um, of taking things maybe too seriously or overthinking or having a lot of worry and anxiety and leaning into the the excitement of possibility and knowing that there is something else that's out there. And while it may not be something that's like immediately within our grasp and immediately be possible for us, it is something that's out there. A little later in the day, um, Venus is going to be opposite Jupiter. So Venus again is in Chillin and our good friend Vir, uh, not Virgo, Cancer, um, and is opposite Jupiter, going to be opposite Jupiter and Capricorn. Jupiter in Capricorn um, has a very big air to me of privileges um, that we have. Um, when we think about, so the planet is associated with like luck and wealth. Um, and, and of course it's related to like beliefs, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of um, wealth, luck, and privilege, right? When we think about wealth, wealth is not necessarily something that's acquired um, because somebody... <laughs> in in the in the context of capitalism wealth is usually something that people have because they have exploited other people right and so like the privilege of not having um to be on the receiving end of said um exploitation is there right and so this wealth if we expand the meaning of wealth outside of and, and luck outside of just money and monetary things this is truly related to the traditions and things that are long standing within in family and the physical inheritances that in, exist within our family and in this particular instance all of these things are meeting up with um the uh how we relate to other people. So having this struggle of when we're trying to care, right? When we talked about Venus and cancer as like the, you know, it's the mutual aid, it's the care economy, it's disability justice, it's being able to create um, a system in which care is something that is used as a form of resistance, not as something um, to that can be subsidized by capitalism, right? Even though it likely probably will be in some sort of way, we're caring because it's important. We're not caring because there is some way that that positively impacts um, the capitalist system or any other type of system that we currently exist within. So it's having to likely, whether it be internally or in some sort of relationship that you have with other, other people, combating this this attempt for us to utilize care um, and nurturance um, within our interpersonal relationships and in the way that we make meaning of things and the way that we see each other and we see ourselves as valuable, how that counters with or how that is up against privilege that we exist within the systems that we you know, 
we didn't sign up for, but there are things that we are a part of, right? And so being able to kind of see and kind of balance those things, being able to see like where privileges and areas of access that you have can allow you to be in service of other people to provide a certain type of care that maybe wasn't accessible or possible um, to the people, persons, whatever within that relationship, whatever it may be, um, that wasn't possible before where you can bring those things in. Also being able to see how some of those privileges and things that you may have, have stopped or hindered you from being able to do that. So where is it that you're prioritizing your privileges over prioritizing care, right? And so where is it that you're willing to, to sacrifice, right? Where is it that you're willing to stop the performance of systems to be able to be in service to other people, people that you love, people that, you know, care about you, the spaces that you're a part of. It is a really big day of checking your fucking privilege. Mm -mm. If we move on to a little later in the week, um, we'll have a nice little trine between Venus and Neptune. Neptune, Venus is on its way out, out, out of the sign um, of cancer, unfortunately. It has been, I, I love Venus and cancer so much. It is just such a beautiful, um, beautiful energy. And, and what it, it's brought and the way I've seen it expressed to other people is, is truly beautiful. So I'm going to miss it. But this is kind of where we indulge and can kind of not necessarily fall victim to, but um, really kind of fall for some of the illusions. And it and it's kind of like a point, <laughs> the Venus trine Neptune is like this energy of which it's like just too good to be true. And it's just too perfect. And it's so amazing. And it's too perfect. And it's so amazing because it is too good to be true, right? And within the days after, we'll kind of be able to realize that. So what you'll kind of see is it's just naturally what we'll see with Venus over the next like week and a half is this up and down in terms of like the reality of what it means to care for each other and what it means to be in in, in service of and uh, of care and and share care and nurturance again as our as our currency, what that truly means and requires of us. And it could be that maybe we we offer too much um, in this energy. It could be that we didn't necessarily assess completely what we're able to kind of give to someone or what we need from someone. Um, and, you know, the thing, of course, with Venus, Neptune aspects is that afterwards it leaves kind of like a sour taste in our mouth because we're like, oh, that, yeah, that was, that was too good to be true, right? It's an energy of rose-colored glasses. It's a really great day for imagination work. It's a really great day uh, for creativity, for daydreaming, um, for guided meditation, um, to kind of lean into just some of the really kind of beautiful, magical uh, things um, that... Uh, that are that are intangible so again that whole energy of like that non-iterative uh or non-linear iterative energy um that we talked about with the pisces 
um, this is a day to truly embrace that. And I think it, if it is a day in which things are just really, really great and it's just really sweet and it's also very romantic energy as well, it's being able to kind of realize and see for ourselves that that is not a, a permanent you know, energy in, in interaction with people, but it is something to appreciate and it is something to savor when we do experience it. Fast forward to, oh, today is going to be a mess. The 30th of August, in which we have, again, like I said, the ups and downs, Venus is going to be opposite Pluto. So Venus opposite Pluto. So going back to the thing with this Jupiter and Pluto stuff, we have to go back to and remember that, um, what is it called? The Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that we experienced back in um, April and June. Oy. And so the Jupiter-Venus opposite Pluto is, <laughs> so when it comes to the rage, the things that we discovered that were unhealed um uh, within ourselves within our families within our societies um the things that we've been manipulated into participating in or being a part of and feeling indebted to this is a, a moment to kind of see for ourselves where there is still room for healing within our relationship when our relationships to other people, within our relationships to our self-image, in relationship to our um, families, being able to kind of notice all of the the kind of shit, um, grime and um, repressed <laughs> things that we've like pushed away, that we don't necessarily want to see, that we've kind of buried on purpose, our front and center when we're trying to relate to to other people and where we're trying to chat trying to show people that we care the thing about venus pluto aspects is that sometimes there is this kind of controlling and manipulating energy that exists um in relationships and you know i say that because in in two ways right lots of times we think about controlling and manipulating as something that we do um that uh Controlling and manipulating is something that's done maliciously, but it's also important to note that controlling and manipulation is something that we also do with the intent of protecting people, um, with the intent of, uh, from, you know, protecting people from ourselves or protecting them from other things that we think might harm them. So like, I'll give like the example of this would be something that would be very Venus opposite Pluto to me or Venus in Cancer, opposite Pluto, you, let's say you have a part, you're a white person and you have a black partner and you're aware that your family is, I don't know, full of Trump supporters and you're about to have a dinner. It's coronavirus. You should not be having dinner with nobody's family, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you have to bring them to a dinner, them to dinner to meet them. And so you've been skirting around or pretending, you know, you're like, oh yeah, my family is really excited to meet you and blah, blah, blah. But you neglect to tell them um about the reality of, of your family, right? And so they meet your family and they experience all of these things and these forms of harm that you were trying to protect them from, but you took away their power and their agency 
Pluto to be able to make the decisions and have the boundaries that they need to protect themselves in that particular interaction or even make the decision within that relationship that would allow them to choose whether that's something that they did or did not want to do, right? That's a good kind of simple example of Venus opposite Pluto. So it's being aware of that dynamic and it adds an opportunity for us to kind of get into some kind of like icky and gross things um, with our relationships and with ourselves that again will foster an opportunity um, for us to truly embody care, but also to open that door for healing as well. That's also going to be, be a day in which Venus, not Venus, Mercury is opposite Neptune. So again, this is another difficult one. Um, Mercury, Neptune aspects, this is a day to watch the news. This is a very big day for lies. Like, I'm just going to be very honest with you. Um, it can be a day in which someone tries to muddy or alter the truth. And so it could even be because Mercury is at home in Virgo, in which people, somebody can say all the right things, right? They can use some sort of rationale or logic that makes sense. Um, in some particular fashion um, to kind of muddy the truth or paint a pictures of, of delusion. So again, that's the 30th. Watch the news. I'm pretty sure our president will have some fun things to say. Um, the <laughs> just saying. Another way that that is energy can be used to kind of provide y'all with a couple more possibilities of how this energy expresses itself. I'm going to have to cite a book because I don't know everything. The non-rational mind, creative composition, undermining opinions, distortion of information, idealization of facts, infiltrating the mind of the collective. So it is a day, it, something about this gives me conspiracy theory vibes. Um, so we'll, we'll see what emerges and what happens. But it also is really great could also be a really great motivational day again because inspiring words was one of the phrases that sue Tompkins uses um to to refer to this energy so it could be an opportunity again to balance those two worlds between possibilities and opening up the possibility of like non-linear um and iterative um thinking where it's like okay like this is what is actually happening right now? But like, what if this could happen? What if this was possible? So it is a day, I think, even to kind of challenge your own beliefs and ideas of what is and is not possible within our world. And I'm going to stop there. I hope I know this was helpful in some sort of way um yeah 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 so by the time that you're listening to this or sometime during this week we will have reached 20,000 listens which is oh wow we have already oh my god which is (laughs) so exciting um so I want to say thank you um thank you to everyone 
who has listened over the last two years that I have had this podcast. It's been so exciting and so honestly empowering to have um, this this platform to, to share and talk to people about the love of my life, which is astrology. And I'm happy that it's allowed me to meet and be in community with so many beautiful and amazing people. And I'm so excited for whatever else is to come through this platform. I can feel the amazing and beautiful things will happen about between 300 and 400 50 of y'all consistently listen to every single episode that I publish and I just there's just an immense amount of gratitude that I have for every single listen every single second that you do or do not listen to every time somebody messages me talking about something stupid that I said um or just talking about you know whatever it is we talk about on the freaking podcast I just I love it so much it's such a learning experience so thank you Thank you to uh, 20,000 um, of those plays um, that have happened with this podcast. And I'm excited for the rest of the year to create and make whatever. I do have a Patreon. So if you are interested in continuing to support this platform as it grows and it expands, and as I am growing and expanding in my work over the next few months, I would totally deeply appreciate that. I only have one tier at this time. It is just a sustaining tier and it is $3. So if you got $3 to spare each month, please, 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 I ask, I beg of thee (laughs) to participate. It would definitely truly mean the world to me um, that you would help support this podcast and its continued existence. I will be back soon to talk about the full moon and all the other juicy, exciting things that are happening in this month, especially this Mars retrograde and just, it's so much action, so much, so much really yummy, great stuff happening in Virgo season. And I will talk to y'all next week.